You're listening to the Sewing and Grown podcast and radio show with Jay and Jay. Okay, everyone, guess who it is? It's me. I'm back. John is back <laughs> in the Sewing and Growing podcast with Jay and Jay. And I just want to say, bold move last week with calling the podcast Just Show Up with the week I don't show up and I'm on vacation. Yeah, sorry. We had no idea what we were going to talk about. And then it's just a reoccurring theme. Just show up. And also, I mean, the food sounded great. Yeah. Uh, we can make that a deal. I mean, we can make that a thing if you'd like. You can eat. Actually, that's kind of hard to do. Yeah, it's Especially hard. when you're doing a lot of talking. And then when the other person's talking, you're focused on listening. But if you're wanting to try and eat, then you're not really listening. You're eating. And then you get some yeah. smuts on your on you. Which we've addressed yeah. before, having schmutz on our clothes yeah, on this no podcast. Schmutz. Maybe we shouldn't. Maybe like a, a bowl of peanuts or almonds. <laughs> some, <laughs> beer yeah. nuts. Some, some beer nuts. Some beer nuts. Right yeah. at the center From of our the, bookstore, we can get some beer nuts. <laughs> yes. Some sriracha flavored yes. beer nuts. But you know, on my vacation, I ate like a Texan. I put on some weight. It was it was fun. I'm I'm not saying that Texans eat a lot, but I guess I am in saying that I ate like a Texan and I gained some weight. Did you eat brisket i did i ate brisket about go to texas and three miles away from the border okay of mexico in brownsville texas Ooh, i know a fact about Brownsville. yes i know the fact you know about brownsville (laughs) i haven't been able to prove that fact uh that fact he said is brownsville is the most racist city in america (laughs) that was based on a poll probably in 2012 so maybe they turned a new leaf maybe we should check the statistics again it felt very different in brownsville it's it's kind of like being in mexico not gonna lie it felt like being in mexico's but i ate at a rudy's barbecue have you ever had rudy's apparently it's in calda springs really good maybe the best barbecue i've had in my life really i see i'm not i don't crave barbecue that much but i do crave a good steak and i just got a gift card to ruth chris steakhouse and apparently based on just popular opinion amongst my team worship team they said that's the best steak that people who've gone there that that they've ever had. So it, I got a gift card from my team. Shout it, out to the worship. It's kind of like saying you're staying at the Ritz Carlton. You know, if you're going to say you're going to eat at a steakhouse, the equivalent of saying you're staying at a Ritz is saying you're eating at a Ruth Chris. I feel like. I don't know much about it. I just know that it's around. I feel like there's one injunction, but I feel like that's that. I, I don't think no, that there's a, a steakhouse like on airport road. I don't know what it's called. It's, I, there is, but yeah. I don't think it's, it's a not Ruth's a Chris. Chris. <laughs> if it is, it's a hidden gem. They need to really mark it better. I'm going to give you three places to eat if you are in South Texas. Go for it. Going from San Antonio, maybe to Corpus Christi. You're going to pass through these towns. Um, actually, one town, Kennedy, Texas. Kennedy, Texas. Two places to eat in Kennedy, Texas. First one I would say is Pollock's. That's my Pollock's. favorite place I've eaten. That area of Texas was founded and settled by a bunch of Polish people. So it's called Polox, and it's like this <laughs> barn that you walk into. And it's not like Polish food, except for they have Polish sausages, but they have like burgers and American food, really good food at Polox. And then if you drive downtown, and this town's like 3,000 people. Kennedy or- downtown Kennedy? Downtown okay. You're going to go and take a right at the end of Main Street, and it's going to be a really small street, and then it looks dilapidated. But it's a place called Lucitas. And you go there for breakfast tacos. Is which, a hole in the wall? Hole in the wall. Literally okay. hole in the wall. Like you might be scared to go through the door. It looks so nice. sketchy. But 
the best breakfast tacos I've had in I Texas. Heard the best food usually comes out of the worst looking places, which I don't know what that's saying about that place. But and I don't know if I want to look into their kitchen, but usually that's true. And not only that, the best waiter I've ever had in my life. I've go to this place because that's where my uh, wife's family likes to eat. And seriously, both times I've had this waiter, he's just been amazing in this little hole in the wall restaurant. Wow. I believe his name is Mark. I'll have to Shout get his to name Mark. next time. Shout out to Mark. But with that, we've said enough. Well, I, I need to say one thing. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, we have not said enough. So go I, ahead. I He's re- got to say this one thing. I the hole in the wall theory about a while back in Glenwood. I felt like this was back in early 2000s. Mm. When I was a kid, my palate wasn't fully developed yet, but... Uh, I felt like the best Italian place was a hole in the wall place called Florindo's. And it was like literally sandwiched between two other places. And it was just like one small little corridor. Yeah. You had to go in there and I had a white trellis that hit up in the. Yeah. yeah. And the bathroom was like out the hall, kind of like how Brava is set up now, but even smaller, like way smaller. And I can attest to that. Not because I ate there much, but my father, who's Italian, which makes me Italian Italian as well. Piccinati. He would love to go to Florindo's. He would love to go to Florindo's. Florindo's was great. Shout out to whoever owned that. And anybody who's listening, I think if you remember the Florindo's experience, come up to me in person and tell me how it was. Shake his hand. Look him in the eye and tell him you're on a spot. Look me in the eye. With that stated, I mentioned my father, Father Piccinati, and that's what we're talking about this week in the podcast. We're talking about lessons from our father. Uh, I wanted to do this because we both have great dads. Uh, Pastor Jonathan's father passed away a few years ago, but we have great dads. We've learned great things from them, and we've learned a few things that stick with us that really reflect God's character. And I'm not a father yet. Pastor Jonathan, you're a father of two beautiful little girls. Thank you. And I want to be a great dad, and I want to be a dad that reflects our father God, and I thought it would be fun to just... Mention a few things, a few lessons from our father. Nice. And I've said a lot. Why don't you uh, start off with one? Well, uh, I think, yeah, I, you know, I, like you said, I have, I have two daughters. Uh, I really want to be a good dad. Let me say this. I think anyone can be a dad because it's just about biology. It's uh, yeah. That's a great way to say it. I was about to go into some more We don't need any more detail. (laughs) Anyone can, uh, you know. I, you know what? I'm not going to go there. Okay. <laughs> I said biology. But I'll just, okay, I'll say it this way. Anyone can be a dad, but it really takes time, commitment, effort, love. Value. To, value to be a father. And so they're two wildly different things. And I'll just say this. We'll go to this later on in the podcast that um, a father figure um, really can be different. How, how should I say may this? I, may I jump in here? Yeah. Give Sorry. you a little breather. Go for it. What we're saying is you may go like, I'm turning this off. My father was a deadbeat. He wasn't here. He didn't care about me. But even Timothy, we don't really know much about his father figure in his life because Paul writes, ever since I saw the faith in your mother and your grandmother, you'd be like, hey, where's where's Where, Papa yeah. Timothy? Uh, <laughs> Papa Timothy? <laughs> where's uh, Timothy Sr.? We don't hear about him. But no. Paul says... That he was like a son to me in the faith, right. which means even if you don't have a great earthly dad, the church and the house of God mm-hmm. and the family of God gives you opportunities to learn yes. who the father is. And I would encourage you seek out a mentor, mm-hmm. someone that you can receive some, receive something from spiritually. 
Thank you for clearing that up. Is that, that kind of yeah, where your thoughts yes, are going? Yes, we mentioned this before the podcast. Some of my ideas and thoughts in my head are half-baked right now. The only good half-baked item Come is on. if Ben and Jerry's half-baked. My thoughts being half-baked is just going to lead to some confusion. <laughs> so, And I'm starting to get an accent. <laughs> Yowza. That's a sign of me being uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, I like what you said. Uh, find someone. I have a few people, you know, after my dad passed uh, who didn't replace my father, but really helped instill and guide from that fatherly aspect. Um, I was not going to just jump straight into super spiritual things. I was thinking some of the natural things my dad taught me and some of the spiritual things my dad taught me. I want to, I want to open up with an icebreaker. I was just thinking this is an icebreaker moment before we go to the depths. Yeah. (laughs) I need to tread water. And I mean, I, I, I need to, play in the shallow end before I go tread water in the depths. So uh, one thing my dad was really good at was cooking. And, uh, you know, he made some special dishes. He had a really famous soy sauce chicken. But I think about, uh, you know, I've been known to make a pretty mean scrambled egg. And uh, I learned that from my dad. That's awesome. And everyone would be like, your dad's scrambled eggs. What's the what's the deal with your dad's scrambled eggs? They're amazing. They're good. They're always really, I'm going to use the word moist. There, they were great. They were cheesy. They were creamy. And his whole thing was, you know, you don't rush it. Okay. And so what he would do is he would whisk in a bowl, but then he would put heavy whipping cream in that bowl. I was going to say, you got to add something to the eggs. Yeah. And uh, then he would put it on very low heat. And that guy would never leave the eggs unattended. He would stir, 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 stir. Constant stir? Yeah. A constant stir to where they were almost being whipped in the pan as they were being cooked. Then you add the cheese at the very end and you add all your ingredients at the very end uh, because unbeknownst to me, he did this. I don't think he knew why he did this, but I figured out why he did this later on in life. Am I confusing you yet? <laughs> I think you're saying he did it yeah. by an accident. Yeah. But he added days. like the vegetables, like the peppers or the mushrooms and stuff at the end. And I don't necessarily know why he did that, but I just found out that if you do it too early, it causes your eggs to weep. And what that means that sounds like a sad egg. Yeah, it's a sad egg. You know, like in the pan and they start they start like releasing like water and like egg juice. That's because the vegetables are causing it to weep. And if you add them in too early before the eggs are done cooking, they just weep and it just excretes uh, egg juice, which is gross. <laughs> yeah. So my dad taught me how to make really good scrambled eggs and he throw a lot of cheese on at the end. And then you put the pan on. You let them cook with the pan on at the very end. I know he stirs constantly, but last couple minutes. Lit that pan, just the, sorry, the lid of the pan. Sorry. Yes. Wow. <laughs> the lid of the pan. Half baked. I knew exactly what you meant. Thank I listen you. to what you mean, not what you say. Good. Yeah, that's encouraging. Okay. <laughs> you say something. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. That's really cool. I'm uh, long-winded. I need to work on getting to the point. Well, it's fun. I want to try to make those eggs now. <laughs> and thank you, your dad. Uh which sounds maybe a little weird, but I have good <laughs> memories of your father too. Uh, I'm not going to jump in and just say, don't take myself too seriously. My dad was really good at that. He would remind me often. I was, I've always been somewhat of an overthinker and I would go to him and I'd be like, dad, this happened and what's going to mean? And he'd just be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he had a great way of describing how he had been at my stage of life and those things really weren't that big of a deal. He had a great way of Addressing that some things need to be corrected, but they don't need to be catastrophized about. Say that word again. Catastrophized. Nice. And I uh, I think that's a great 
thing to be able to do because we're all on a process of where we're at and where we want to be. And sometimes that gap between where we're at and where we want to be can seem really big and insurmountable. And my dad just really, when I would get really worked up about something, he would he would remind me that I was in pride. Mm. Because whenever we're going to fuss about whatever we're dealing with in a moment, uh, that's prideful because we're esteeming ourselves too highly in that moment. And he, it may not make sense what I'm saying, but it really stood out to me. And I just oh, thought I like of it. what David said. David said, oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. And that was in Psalm 131, 11. And you, we might wonder, what are those things that are too great and too marvelous for you? Well, I think anything that's causing you to stop forward movement, get stressed out, worried, and lose your faith in God is probably too great and too marvelous for you to figure mm-hmm. out. And you need to recognize, again, what David said, what is man that God is so mindful yeah. of us? And to really differentiate ourselves and God. And my dad brought me so much peace by being like, hey, John, chill, chill. It's going to be okay. Yeah, I think that's good wisdom all around because I tend to get in that place as well. And I tend to catastrophize things. Do you uh, have another one? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's been a while since we've done this together. All right. My other one. Not the only other one, but one that my dad taught me was kind of a triple whammy. And he would always say, find your role, own it and grow it. And this a lot of times really was applying to sports, but it applies to life in general. And so my dad uh, was a collegiate swimmer, actually a very successful collegiate swimmer, uh, swam for UC Irvine on a a college scholarship. And... uh, thing about my dad was he was very short, 5'6", wasn't the fastest on the team, uh, but he had to find out what he was good at. And so in the relays, um, he was like the middleman. And so the middleman needed to be consistent. Uh, you know, usually the the person who starts is supposed to get off to a really head start. And then the anchor the guy at the end is supposed to just go all out and win the race for you. But the middlemen are important. And because you can't lose time, they're not necessarily, they're trying to gain time, but that's not the main focus. It's to hold down the middle of the race. And so he was really short, wasn't the fastest, but he found his role on the team and he owned it and he grew it and he became a really successful swimmer because of it. And I remember him telling me that in high school basketball as well, because we had a, we had a pretty successful basketball team. And on JV, I was like the scoring guy. But when I got up to varsity, we had those roles pretty much filled and those guys were very, very good. So I had to figure out what my role was. And so he would come to practices and everything. And he would, he would talk to me and say, Hey, you know, I know you can score, but team doesn't need that. Uh, team needs rebounding. He says, you, you know how to jump. Let's work on your, let's focus on your rebounding. So I found my role of the rebounder and, uh, I owned it and I grew it. And I got to the point where, uh, I averaged six rebounds a game. There's only three people in the entire Western slope conference that rebounded more than me. Wow. And all three of them were centers, six, 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 eight, six, seven. Uh, and so I found that and it, it gave me a place on the team of value. And so I think so many times we're trying to be something that try and fill a role that's already been filled. We aspire, you know, everybody wants to be the top scorer on the team. But the reason why our team was so successful is that everybody knew their role. So even in life, though, you know, the world doesn't need another uh, Stephen Furtick. 
you know, the world needs another John P. The world needs another mm. John Jonathan Rossler. Figuring out what you're good at and owning it and growing it in life will take you really far. Because even if you're not the best at something, it'll it'll still like this was our last podcast. Consistency creating mm. opportunity. Find what you're good at, be consistent at it, and watch it open up opportunities. I think another way you could say is stay in your lane. Yeah. And your dad's a swimmer. <laughs> yeah, he, he had to stay in his he lane. He stared at a lane at the bottom of the pool for yeah. hours. Yeah. But I just, as you were saying that, I was thinking of your dad. Your dad, from my observance, uh, could really live that his whole life. Like, even when he was in a golf on the golf team, yeah. he was the guy that would do something consistent, right? Yeah. There may be other guys on the foursome that would hit right. far, but you just want something. That could not hit it far. No, but he, but he would always, you could trust him to put one out in the middle, maybe 200 yards. And then he was a good chipper and a good putter. And your, your dad was the assistant pastor of yeah. our church, New Creation Church, yeah. where we work, we love, and we're thankful for this church. And he was, I don't know how many years he was, but. Uh, I should know. Very long time. Long time. And that's another thing too. I, he knew his role. You know, a lot of times people, especially in the church world, look at, you know, youth ministry or assistant pastor as a stepping stone mm -hmm. to be head pastor. And here's a newsflash, you know, God calls people to be in lifelong roles that other people would consider stepping stones. And so he knew that he was he was supposed to be associate pastor. He got offers to be head pastor, big churches, different churches. And he always turned those down because he knew exactly what his role was what his lane was and god really blessed him because of that that's awesome go ahead uh this is what i'm going to say about my dad now uh, people's names matter he taught me that uh, my dad every time he goes to a restaurant he asks the waiter or waitress what their name is mm -hmm. and this is something he's developed in the last probably 10 years before, he didn't know anyone's name. He couldn't remember anyone's name. He's made the point of coming and whenever someone's like, hey, welcome to so-and-so restaurant. What would you like to drink? He'll go, hey, what's your name? And uh, he remembers it. And then he calls them by name every time they come to the table. And if he comes back to the restaurant, he has remembered their name. Mm -hmm. And it just makes me think of God because God the Father calls us by name. And Jesus, as he was walking through this earth, he looked up and he would look at the short guy sitting in the tree and say, now, hey, you, he looked at him and said, hey, Zacchaeus, my dad just lives a life where he goes throughout his day, whether it's at the gas station, whether it's at the grocery store, and he learns about people and he do goes more than actually their name. That's really just the first step that he does that I'm still working on, but he'll try to learn about what they're going through, what's going on, and they'll just open up to him. And we may think, man, that's just really generous and it's good for the other person. But I watched a really interesting TED talk about what causes people's life expectancy and the things that affect it. And there was things like diet and smoking that affected it. But they found the one thing that was you could look at consistently that caused people to live longer. And it was the amount of conversations that you have with random people. So when you go to come and go or quick trip or your gas station, 7-Eleven, and you buy your donuts, do you engage with that person at all? Those quick little conversations were what caused people's life expectancy wow. to be longer. All the introverts are quivering in their seats right now. Uh, but the thing <laughs> is, my dad used to say this. And if you know my dad, you go, that's crazy. But he was like, John, I don't like people. I don't, I don't like people. I don't like being around I them. I would have never guessed that. He, uh, he normally comes into church kind of late and he leaves pretty right away. 
most every week. So it's not natural, but it's something he developed. And uh, my little brother practices it, and I find myself too. I'll look at somebody, and I try to look at them, and I go, what's your name? And I try to remember. And even when I teach youth, uh, I don't have the largest group of youth students, but I'm like, I'll try to mention them or engage with them by their name because we serve a God that calls yeah. us by name. And you get better at that. When I meet somebody new, what's your name? They say, Becky. And the entire time they're talking, I'm going, Becky, Becky, Becky. Their name is Becky. Their name is Becky. And at the end of the conversation, they're like, well, it was great, great talking to you, great meeting you. And I'm like, I don't remember anything you said, but I do remember your name. And it's like a, it's a trade-off with me. It's either I can remember the conversation or remember their name. Rarely is it ever both, but that's something I really want to grow in. Well, I think if you just, I don't want to belabor this point, but <laughs> if you get from that first conversation, it's Becky. And then you go, hey, Becky. Uh, and then you engage with them with their name instead of, hey, yeah. you, you're going to not have to worry about remembering their name. And then you'll really be able to engage with the second step of conversation you've had with them. Nice. One thing that I learned from my dad or just observed from my dad is whenever we were at restaurants, uh, he always tipped really well, um, even if the service was bad. And I know some people might uh, totally object to that. But like, you know, you tip is based on performance which usually it is, but I remember my dad telling me one day, like we had really awful service at the macaroni grill and we were sat at a table that didn't have the You didn't paper. have a paper? I didn't get to draw. You didn't get to draw? And like, they were just like really behind, like just, it was a hot mess in there and the waiter was even worse, waitress. And um, I remember him even complaining about it um, just at the table. And then I remember looking at the size of the tip he gave her. And I thought that was like totally unjustified and uncalled for. But I remember him talking to me. He goes, you know, the reason why I tip good. Um, he's like, yeah, sometimes people might think that's enabling that person just to continue in the pattern. He's like, I have no idea what they've gone through in that day. He's like, but it's more about dealing with the condition of my heart because my heart gets bitter. But if I can choose to operate in love anyways, um, then it helps me and keeps me on the right path. And so my dad would always tip good regardless to keep his heart in the right space. And I thought that was really cool. And I try and practice that. There's times when, you know, I've had bad service and I don't tip very well. But I always think about that, uh, you know, the only person you can keep track of and really control is you in the condition of your heart. So not letting a, a very petty experience callous your heart. Uh, tipping well is a good way to help uh, That's good. not develop a callous. And then, he, you know, he really talked to me about uh, the difference between bread and seed. Uh, cause he was always a tither. He was always a giver. And, you know, anytime you'd give me money or anytime I'd get money, he'd always say, Hey, this is the seed portion. And this is the bread portion. Never mix up the two. Uh, cause you know, uh, the Bible talks about that. God will give bread to the eater, seed to the sower, uh, which is usually the same person. Uh, there's not just one person who eats and one person mm -hmm. who sows, but it's the same person. And you'll be very blessed in life if you can figure out what is supposed to be seed and make sure that goes in the ground. And then what's bread for eating? So that was pretty impactful. You know, going off of last week and even this week, we don't really teach in a way or share on this podcast in a way where there's like a series. But what I'm seeing from last week and this week is consistency. Yeah. And in your dad's generosity, he was consistent. It wasn't based upon the person's performance. Right. It was based on who he was. And yeah. he's a consistently generous person. His yep. tithing wasn't based on whatever the situation was. He was determining, this is bread that I'm going to eat. Mm -hmm. And then this is seed that I'm going to sow. And I'm going to be consistent yeah. with it. And that we serve a God that is the same 
yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus. And then about God the Father, I am the Lord God. I do not change. So, hey, thankful for our dad in that way. I I have another one I want to share. Uh, I remember moving out of my parents' house when I was 20. It was 2013. I had turned 20 and I moved to Newcastle. And my dad, when I first moved out, I said, I want to meet with you at McDonald's and I want to share some information with you. And I'm like, great. I was kind of nervous. I ate a lot of ramen in that season. I'd never really eaten top ramen. And then I started eating tons of top ramen. And I said, okay, dad, let's meet. And my dad is a business school graduate, is very knowledgeable about money. And I'm just excited to learn about how to invest, how to save money. And he just says this to me. He says, John, if you have a need, give a need. And I was like, dad, come on. But my dad lives this way so much that if he's struggling in an area, he takes a step towards that area for someone else. And that just reminds me again of the scripture in Proverbs 11, where it says, the generous man will be prosperous. We just talked about generosity. But the second half of it, he who waters, he himself will be watered. And another way that I learned uh, the same principle and another way to say it that really sticks with me is give someone else the opportunity to go second. We often want somebody to help us uh, by going first. And if they go, then we'll get it. But if we need love, give somebody the opportunity to go second giving us love by us going first and first loving them. If we're struggling with money, take a step of generosity. And really, it's a faith step. Yeah. And I've, I've proven that to be true in my life. And I'm thankful with all the information and the wisdom he had in that moment. That's what he shared with me. That's amazing. Yeah, I can speak to your dad's generosity. You know, I was talking about how when my dad passed away, there was a few people who helped kind of step in and really guide and mentor. And I would say your dad was one of them. Absolutely. And I remember even just the way he took care of me and my mom financially when my dad passed away. Huge blessing. I mean, he would go out of his way to meet with me, pray with me, and just make sure that we were we were taken care of. And I always remember that. Um, and just even in our day-to-day interactions, uh, I can tell how much your dad really cares for me, loves me. Yeah, he does. And, um, it's just really awesome. He's a he's a pretty good guy. Yeah. And uh, if you don't mind, can I share one more yeah, and then wrap this it. up? I'll let I'm you wrap it up. Teared up. Well, good. And I'll, this one is the most powerful. And I we might go a little long, but I'm okay with it. that. My dad has taught me about the unconditional love of the father, and I just like stories because they help me remember moments. And this was a moment where I did more than tear up. I bawled. Uh, I was at a young adult conference in Colorado Springs with John Bevere's ministry, and there's specifically his young adult ministry. And he was speaking, and he was speaking on the fear of the Lord, and he was going to do an altar call, and he was building up this altar call. And he shared a testimony of when he was in Asia, and he did an altar call of the fear of the Lord. And women came forward, and they started screaming in pain <laughs> and writhing on the floor. And it was like a strong wind came through, and people were just yelling. And then the peace of God came. But he's like, you never know what's going to come into the room when you call on the fear of the Lord. Mm. And I only want people who to come forward who really desire the fear of the Lord. Because see, like Judas, he didn't necessarily have the fear of the Lord and he was following Jesus and he's in hell right now. So if you want to stay in your seat, stay in your seat, really take this serious. So he's just like, prepare yourself for whatever God's going to do if you answer this altar call. So I'm like, I'm shaking (laughs) up, sitting in my chair. Uh, wondering if I should answer the altar call, but I don't really want to be like Judas. So I'm definitely going to answer the altar call. So I get up, I go to the altar 
and my eyes are closed and I'm like seeing like hot fire flames. I'm not prone to visions. I'm not that kind of person, but I see these flames. I'm like, well, God, what are you going to show me? What, what terrible thing have I done? What do I need to be? And I just get a picture in my eyes and my dad's walking towards me with his arms. like, give me a hug. And I'm, and I'm tell God in that moment, I'm like, God, show me what I need to correct. Wow. And my dad's walking away. He's like, hug me. And I'm like, God, this isn't, he's like, John, you need to stop. I've been trying to work through your father for so long to show you who I am. And you've pushed him away because he hasn't done everything in his life right. Wow. And you're rejecting who I am. And your dad's been very faithful to show you who I am and doing his best. And you haven't received it. And I started weeping. And I called my dad that night and I apologized. I said, dad, I have been holding things against you. And I, you, God's been, and he told me, that's true, John. I've really been trying. I know I'm not perfect, but thanks for forgiving me. And my dad, for the past two days, has driven by the church just to give me a hug. Wow. And I used to write it off like, my dad's just crazy. He's <laughs> like, he loves me, but it's super biased. I can't receive anything from it. But lately, I've been realizing the only thing that's really changing my life is God's love. Mm-hmm. The only thing that overcomes this world and the things in this world is our faith. But faith works by love is what the Bible says. And many people don't have this opportunity. That's why I just want to publicly thank my dad but he really demonstrates the love of God. And when he corrects me, he's gotten very intense with me. I never have a doubt that it's going to separate him from me in that correction because I know his love. And if I can take anything to my children, it would be that type of love. That's that's a a great story. (laughs) You know what? I'm reminded of this movie, which this might take a long time, but I'll try not to take a long time. Uh, it's like a brand new Disney movie that just came out called Encanto. Have you ever seen it? I did see a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But like the, so it's like a magic house and everybody mm-hmm. in the family gets like powers at a certain age, but the house is like falling apart and there's cracks in the family. You don't know what it is. And like the whole, I'm not going to spoil the movie, but basically what was causing the f- cracks was unfounded expectation and pressure for people to perform and not to just love them for who they are and unforgiveness. Mm, so true and like if it's true for Encanto you know? <laughs> but that was a powerful movie it just reminded me that you're like trying to you're trying to seek out like God what do I need to change like like show me the big thing and it's like your relationship with your dad right? yeah the home front dude take care of the home front yeah so that's really cool so um, wisdom of the day wisdom of the day well I'll say this it's a kind of an something that we didn't talk about but I'm adding it in as the wisdom of the day we referenced like it. it briefly Go about people it. who maybe grew up with terrible dads or no dads at all you know on the i don't know where it's at but in the book of psalms it says he's a father to the fatherless he takes care of the orphan and the widow and and i just think about if you don't have that role model in your place in place you didn't have that fatherly figure um you know and we say cliche things like you know god will be your father and it's really hard to figure out like how that takes place like how is you know the guy in the sky gonna be my dad and really take care of me but I think that he fathers you through earthly role models. Mm-hmm. And so he puts those people into your life. And so if you ask him, uh, you know, I want you to be my father. I want you to help me. I believe he'll bring those people into your life. And you may not necessarily know it, but you just need to be aware um, of the people who come into your life and really start to glean from them. Those people are definitely going to help minister and and sustain and carry you. you know, just makes me think of something we've talked about previously on this podcast, but uh, Jesus was the fullness of the Godhead 
bodily, right? Yeah. And we are the body of Christ. And we want to be embraced by Jesus, which is the same as God. He's his son. Uh, and we want to be fathered by God the Father who's invisible. But you can't do that without getting embraced by the arms of the body of Christ. And he's going to do it through people, spiritual fathers yeah. and people that he's put in your life. Yeah. My wisdom of the day would be the love of God, but I want to do something practical right now. And I would say that people's names matter. And I just want to live that. And I think, again, that just flows from last episode where Jeff Serbiu said he tries to leave every day with having had a positive impact mm -hmm. on someone's life. And it's hard to show value to a person if you, <laughs> you can't even name. remember their name. That's true. It's true. With that, I hope you were blessed by this podcast. Yeah, you came back swinging. You're really well-spoken on the podcast. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Um, would you mind praying us yeah. out? Father God, we... Thank you. We acknowledge you as our father. Thank you that you love us unconditionally. I thank you that your love isn't, uh, doesn't have a prerequisite of uh, our performance and what we do, um, but it's based through Jesus. And I just thank you so much that you are expressing and showing your love to us each and every day. Thank you for the godly fathers that we had in our life, Father God. And I just pray for each and everybody listening, um, whether they have that in their life or not, that you are bringing those people and strengthening those relationships in their life, Father God, that they can find someone to glean from. And it's never too late. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can always glean from someone uh, in your life. So I just thank you that you're strengthening and building those relationships. You're helping us, teaching us, showing us how to love and value people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it is great to be back, and it'll be even greater to be with you next week on the Sewing and Growing Podcast with J&J. &J.